Amen. Hopefully I won't send you all to sleep this morning. Yeah, thanks. Good, good Pat. Well done. Um, I wanted to talk this morning on uh, a particular subject uh, which is about overcoming loneliness. Um, and I, I suppose I want to start with a disclaimer uh, when I say something about this subject. Um, I, I'm aware that for some people, loneliness is a very real issue. Uh, it's a very uh, painful issue and something that some people really kind of find tiring uh, and emotionally very draining. Um, and I think it's really important for me to sort of just say before we begin that, that I'm, this morning I'm not speaking from a position of great experience. Um, I'm not, I, I'm, you know, I, I, we, I met Helen when I was 16. Um, sorry, Helen. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I've always had wonderful friends for better or for worse, I've known Patrick since I was born. There's a picture, isn't there, Keegan, of me and Patrick as babies together. Um, that's really been a detriment to my life. Um, uh, I've had to drag him along with me. Um, and I've always had a, a very loving and stable family. And so I, I can't this morning speak from a position of great experience on this subject. And I wouldn't want in any way to be condescending and suggest, because I, I can't stand here this morning and say, I know how you feel because I, I don't think I probably do know how it feels to be deeply lonely. Um, but I do know this, that I believe that God wants to minister into this subject this morning. And I believe that his word, the Bible, is true, and I believe that God wants to say this morning is true. And so this morning I'm speaking really because I feel that God wants to say something into that. Um, and so before we, we get together, I'd like us to pray, if we can, um, and just ask that the Lord would minister uh, and that he wouldn't, um, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't, in my words, in any way be dismissive or... Um, uh, minimalize the, the difficulties and the challenges that, that are associated with loneliness. So let's just pray, shall we? Yeah? Lord, I want to invite you this morning into this message. Lord, I believe it's something that you have put on my heart to share. It's not something that I particularly have got a great deal of experience of. And I know that there are people um, this morning, uh, Lord, that really have battled uh, maybe many times with this issue. Um, and I just want to pray that in no way would I be uh, condescending or, uh, Lord, uh, showing no understanding of those, of those subjects. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would minister. That you would come this morning and speak to every heart that needs to hear what you have to say this morning. Because your truth is truth. Lord, and it's your truth which sets us free. Lord, and Lord, your whole message, Lord, I am just a messenger for what you have to say, Lord for what is already written down in your word. And so I pray this morning you would be powerfully amongst us as we come and we look together at this subject. Amen. Amen. So I suppose I, the reason I came about this subject is Helen and I got into a big conversation during the week um, about a particular issue that, that someone was going through and it got me really wound up. Um, and then the following day, a Karina actually sent me uh, and it was around the whole idea of loneliness. And then Karina actually sent me an article, um, which was a, uh, uh, something she'd found on the web uh, about loneliness. And it was a, a series of studies. Um, because basically what this uh, article showed was that loneliness uh, has significant physical implications. Right? So there was a study that was done uh, by the Office of National Statistics. So that's no kind of you know, made-up kind of group of people just kind of sort of making stuff up. These guys are really, when they do stats, they're, they're true stats. Uh, and it said that 2.4 adults 
British, adult British residents of all ages suffer from chronic loneliness. And there are other studies. There was a study by, do you remember Joe Cox, the MP that got murdered? There's been a commission that's set up in her name to tackle this issue, and they reckon it's more like 9 million people who suffer with being lonely. Okay? But what was interesting is what the study found um, was that basically that loneliness isn't just, you know, oh, you feel lonely. It has a significant impact on health. Yeah, and particularly mortality. Basically, if you are chronically lonely, you are 50% more likely to die from any illness. That is a staggering statistic, right? And just shows the depth and the pain and the difficulty that loneliness can have on our soul and our being. Um, and it also said that basically loneliness is comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day or to being morbidly obese. That's how serious the issue is. Right? And so this is what it really started to get me thinking. And I was thinking and struggling with this subject because I thought, well, I can't necessarily speak from experience, but I really felt that the Lord wants to say something about this this morning. And so the, the first thing I really want to say is, is that loneliness doesn't just affect single people. Right? There's this kind of, whenever I think about loneliness, my natural reaction is to think about you know, little old ladies that maybe who are widowed and their husband has died and that they haven't got any family and they live alone uh, and they're very lonely. But the reality is, is that you don't have to be single to be lonely and you don't have to be, and you could be around lots of people and still be lonely. And why is that? Because this is the key. Loneliness is not just the absence of people, it's the absence of intimacy. I don't know if you've ever worked in a job where you've been uh, with, in a big organisation or you can be doing something, you can be around lots and lots of people and you can feel totally alone. You can be in a, a situation and you think there's, you see people and someone says, how on earth can you be lonely? You're with people all the time. It's not about how many people you're with, it's about something deeper. Because loneliness is about feeling that you don't belong. Loneliness is about feeling that, you know, people don't really know you and understand you. And why is that? It's because God has made you with this big heart of love, right? We are, we are basically giant hearts walking around. That's really what we are, right? However you, in a spiritual sense, we're... And there's something that very uh, human about giving and receiving of love. Every day, right, you want in some way to be able to share love and to receive love. Even if it's through someone making you a cup of tea, right, or someone saying good morning to you, how was your evening? You know, how did it go yesterday? How's so-and-so? What's going on in this? They're giving, you are receiving love from someone else. And when you ask simple questions about someone else, you are giving love. And there's something very spiritual about that simple process of sharing your heart. And so that's why you can be in a situation with lots of people and still feel very alone. So you could be a student who's moved to a new town and you can feel very alone. You can be, obviously you could be a single person who has, uh, wants a spouse and you can feel very alone. But you could also be uh, a young couple who moved to an area and they've moved into an area and they don't know anybody and so they just feel alone. You could be, and I, I remember seeing this, uh, those of us that have been in teaching, you, you meet children and they live in families but the truth is they feel very alone because their mum and dad are arguing that the home is not a safe place or a happy place and actually they feel like going home every day is like walking into a prison cell because they just feel alone. 
And we need to realise this morning, when we look around, you may think, oh, you've got lots of people in your life, you must be fine. Not necessarily. Because loneliness is about the absence of intimacy in our life. And, you know, just being around loads of people, just being really busy, doesn't deal with the issue of loneliness, does it? And so this morning, I want to look at how, we, how God wants to uh, minister into our loneliness and how those of us that are not lonely also have a responsibility to care and to love others that might be lonely. So we, we should always start by looking at what the Bible says. <coughs> well, the first thing that w- the, the Bible says about this is that God was not alone. God was not alone. This is really, really significant, right? God is not one God. God is three. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You might think, well, why that's significant? Because before the world began, before you and I were ever created or ever thought of, God wasn't on his larry, right? God wasn't just chilling out on his own. He was in perfect friendship and relationship. And you know, the whole world, and this, this blows my mind, the whole world was created in order that you and I might experience that relationship. That's the whole reason for creation, is that God wanted to share his togetherness with other people. He didn't create creation because he was bored or because he was lonely. He created it because he wanted to invite people into that sense of relationship. And so it's really important, that sense of the value of loneliness starts when we look at God himself and realising that he himself was not alone. The second thing is that we were designed to be together. You know, um, this is very true in my life. It is good, it says in Genesis chapter 2, when God made man, he said, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Amen. I will make a helper that is suitable for him. He had his work cut out with Helen, yeah? Finding someone that was suitable for me, right? But we see in God's original design, Genesis, so the first thing we know about God is that the very first thing we see right in the very first chapter 1 is that God was more than one. And the second thing we see in chapter 2 is that he had des- when he made creation, he said it's not good for man to be alone. You know, I think the thing I found hardest about leaving my job, uh, when I left my job five years ago and I started working uh, for the church in Eltham, was actually the, the missing the banter. Banter, yeah? All right? I used to be in a team, and any and you know any teacher knows what a staff room's like. Okay, it can be quite raucous and quite any staff room it can be quite like this. But I, the only thing I miss most is I I, would, I went to work and and in Eltham there was three of us, which was great because we weren't alone. But often we'd spend a lot of time just working on our own, and we'd meet once a week. And the thing I found really hard was being on my own. And the thing is, I realised that I function best when I'm around other people. I went to, we went to OMF a couple of weeks ago um, and looked at Simon's office and I walked into Sarah, our sister-in-law, and I pranked her office and covered it all with post-it notes and stuff like that. But you know, the thing I liked about that office is I like the fact that you're together. And it reminded me how lovely it is to go and work and be together. It's not good for man to be alone. That's the second thing we see. The third thing we see is this is that loneliness affected even great men of God. You might think to yourself, you know, oh, well, yeah, but, but real Christians, they don't struggle with loneliness. If you're really on fire for Jesus, you won't be lonely. Rubbish. Paul, who I argue is probably one of the greatest men of God ever to have lived, 
Right, let's read it here. Chapter Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 9. He says this. He says, he's writing to Timothy, his, his, you know, his friend, and he says, do your best to come to me soon. Come and hurry up. Come quickly. Come to me. Right? He said, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. My friends have left me. And he's gone to Thessalonia. Uh, Chrysessens has gone to Galatia. Titus, Dematia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark as well. Bring him too, for he's useful to me. Here's Paul. He's in prison. He's alone. He feels alone. And so what does he want? He wants friendship. And you know, that's the thing. We see this not just in this passage, but other passages in the Bible. Even great men of God feel lonely. And I think that really it's very important that we don't have this super spiritual idea about loneliness. That somehow, if you feel a bit lonely, that you're not, you know, really going for it in the Lord. Not true. Loneliness is part of the fall. It's part of what happens with sin. We feel separated from other people. And so this morning I want to say to you that the Bible says quite clearly you're not designed to be alone. God has not made you to be alone. But part of that is that life is that sometimes you just do feel alone. And it's perfectly natural to feel alone. But the challenge is what we do with that feeling and where we, whether we allow that feeling to dominate our lives or whether we can find its right place in God. So I want to carry on. I want to talk now about the dangers, the spiritual dangers of loneliness, the real danger. And the thing about loneliness, right, is that, that you know, when, you sit, when I sit and think about it uh, and we look at it, that, that loneliness provides a wonderful, fertile ground for spiritual compromise. It provides wonderful ground for spiritual compromise. You see, because when you become alone, I want to talk through this, this, this process this morning of how being alone. But I, I have to say, I've got friends, and I think we probably, if we've been in the church a long time, how many of us know people who basically had, were alone, and they started to make poor choices? And essentially, they started to, rather than trust God with their life, what they began to do is they began to take things into their own hands, and they made poorer and poorer choices, and some of them are not even following God any longer. They've walked away from Jesus because basically, or they've walked directly into sin because essentially loneliness became too much of an issue for them and essentially they walked away. And so there's this, this passage which I'm going to refer to again later in Philippians chapter 3, which I've been really pondering this week. Uh, and it says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. Paul is crying. You can sense this sense. Even I've, I've wept over my friends because they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame, with their mind set on earthly things. If you allow loneliness to dominate your life, you are setting your mind on earthly things, and it will lead you away from the Lord, and it will lead you into all kinds of sin, right? whether it's sexual sin, how much sexual sin starts because people feel alone, right, men, you know, we know that sexual sin happens because basically you go home, you feel alone, there's no one around you, and so you become tempted to find comfort in other places, right? Whether it's finding other relationships, whether it is, uh, and, and this can happen to married, married men just as much as it can to, to single men, just to say. So loneliness is a ground for spiritual compromise, and so we need to be very vigilant about this whole subject. And how does it develop? So how does it develop? Well, it develops through this. Uh, we believe the lie that God is not enough. We believe a lie that God is not enough. You see, uh, does anyone know uh, the name, what the name for God El Shaddai means? 
Anyone know El Shaddai? Any, any uh, Chris, are you a, a Jewish scholar? Do you know this kind of stuff? El Shaddai? Hannah's racking her brain there. It me, oh, go on, Simon, well done. Top marks. Look at him, look at his big smile, he loves it. He loves being top of the class, doesn't he? Look. The name El Shaddai means all-sufficient one. It's a Jewish name. God calls himself this. And basically what he says is, I am enough. That's what it means. It means, El Shaddai, I am enough. I am enough for you. And you know, the thing that loneliness does is it attacks that idea. It undermines that belief. Is God really enough? Is God really enough for you? I feel so lonely. I feel so fed up. Is God really, and then the devil comes and just whispers into your ear, is God enough? Is God enough? Are you sure God can meet all of your needs? You see, 1 John chapter 4, 18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, Christ has loved you with a perfect and an everlasting love. And that this morning, you have to realise that when you get lonely, the devil is going to come and whisper in your ear, you take control. God hasn't got control. You need, to let, you need to take hold of this yourself. And that's what happens. Because then what happens after that is then fear floods in. The moment you stop believing that God is not enough, you open the door and what comes in? Fear. And fear comes in because you start to believe this situation's never going to change. Things are never going to get any better. I'm always going to be alone. And I'll maybe this kind of thought comes in. Well, I'm alone because actually maybe I'm quite unlovely. Maybe I'm alone because actually there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm alone because, you know, actually I'm just, you know, I've made bad choices. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. And where's all that coming from? Is that coming from the Lord? No. That's coming from the devil. Because what you've done is you've opened up the door by, question, by allowing yourself to believe that God is not enough. And the moment that door is open... Who loves to bring in fear? The enemy. And that's what he loves to do. You, Helen and I were talking last night, and she, she, was, um, and she was talking about a situation at work she'd had this week. Um, and she'd had a big argument between two, two parents, sort of sets of parents. Uh, and they were really stressing, because Helen does speech therapy, and they were trying to decide what to do for a little girl um, who is selectively mute, you know, doesn't talk. And they were, they were arguing, these two sets of parents were arguing. And someone made a comment, she said, in all my years of experience, I realised that, that there are two basic emotions that motivate people, love and fear. And everything is driven from those two things. Either you're driven by love or you're driven by fear. And everything God does, and when you're moving God, everything is driven by love. But everything that's driven by fear comes from the enemy. And you need to realise that the devil will love to bring you into this place of fear, fear, fear. You're always going to be alone. It's never going to be any better. It's never going to be any different. And the Lord this morning wants to say to you to bring you back into that place of realising that his perfect love casts out fear. Amen? And his perfect goodness casts out fear. We sung this morning, you are a good, good father. I love that. I mean, it's a bit, of a, it's a bit cheesy, isn't it, that song, right? But I do love it. Every time I sing, I think this is cheesy, but I love it, right? Because it says, you know, I'm loved by you. And then there's this phrase, this is who I am. This is who I am. And it's true. This is who you are. You are loved by God. So even if this morning we feel alone, we are not alone because the Lord has said it. And this is the key this morning, is that when we elevate our feelings of loneliness over the promises of God, we will find ourselves in all kinds of spiritual difficulties. I'll say that again. 
when we elevate our feeling of loneliness above the promises of God, we will encounter all kinds of problems. We need to build our life on the love of God and the truth of God. So, moving on, I want to offer a few practical thoughts about loneliness. And as I said, I'm hesitant to do this because I don't feel I have great experience of it. But this is what I would say. This is my first thought. Firstly, one thing I've experienced in my counsel and talking to people who are lonely, and you do that in church life, people come and share their hearts with you and their lives, is this, and this is what I hear so often, right? Oh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick up the phone or invite someone around. They'd just be too busy. They've got loads of other stuff going on. They, they, won't want, you know, they won't want me interrupting their life. You know, they've got so many things going on, I wouldn't. And you know, the biggest thing that, that I think, it's, it's not that people who are lonely are kind of sitting there and being kind of all like, oh, I don't want to, be, I'm going to be lonely and I'm going to carry on being lonely. It actually comes from a really godly kind of nice place of desire that they don't want to be a burden. But let me tell you something, right? That is a lie. It's a lie. The devil wants to keep you in a place of isolation, right? So let me say, first of all, if you think that people are really busy and they haven't got space for you, it's just not true, right? I have never been phoned up right, and thought to myself, oh, I wish this person would not call me. That's never happened to me, apart from when Helen calls me sometimes and I realise that I've done something wrong. Yeah, when I've forgotten the milk, right? Okay, or something like that, yeah? There's never been a time, particularly if I know that someone is just looking to reach out, when I'm not willing and open to have a conversation. And I think we need to get away from this idea that somehow that, you know, nobody's interested. You know, I, let me, I'll be honest, I lead a busy life, right? I do lots of things, and I, I would say that I, you know, I often think that the most important thing in my day is paperwork. It's weird, isn't it? I don't know if Simon feels like that. Right, sometimes you feel like doing jobs on your list is the most important thing. When you wake up, you think, I need a jobs list. Right? But let me, I've, I'm learning as I get older that the most important thing in my, in my life is not my list of jobs. It's not my paperwork. It's not my emails. I love answering emails, by the way. I just love it. It gives me this sense of you know, accomplishment. I learn that the most important thing in life is people. It's people. Who's going to be in heaven? Is my, is my computer and my emails going to be in heaven? No. Is my house going to be in heaven? No. Is my clean house going to be in heaven? Definitely not. Right? Because it's never going to be clean anyway. Right? Okay? The most important thing, what's going to be in heaven? People. And what we've done for people and the way we've lived our life with people is what matters. And so we need to make sure in our own hearts that we are prioritising and for somebody that, I mean, I'm a people person, but I can get very fixed into doing. And I want to say to you this morning, if you want to ring me up, you ring me up. If you want to pop around my house, you pop around my house. All right? Don't assume that I'm busy. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. And I really want to lay this thick on us this morning. Right? Those of us that are, are, are fortunate enough to not feel this great sense of loneliness. We have the church... And I don't mean the organisation, the church. I mean you and me have a responsibility to reach out. The onus, I believe, is on those that are already in a happy relational place to actively reach out to those that are not. Right? I, 
I think that if your life is too busy, that you're spinning around and you're trying to do this, that and the other, we need to learn to slow down and see. Because I think the biggest problem in church is that we're so busy doing everything else that we don't slow down and see people that might be lonely around us. Amen? Has that been an experience of anybody in the church? You can come to church every week, you can walk in and everyone says, oh, how are you doing, how's your week? And of course you know you have to answer. Yeah, good, thanks. Lie, right? But you have to say it because that's what you do. And it's so easy, isn't it, to just miss it. You know, I had a friend of mine, this is a true story, um, she, not from around here, um, she was looking for a new church, she was a single lady as it turned out, um, and she was visiting a church. She was trying to visit different churches. She went to lots of different churches. And you know the biggest criticism of the churches? She walked in, she would sit down, no one would talk to her other than maybe a sort of polite hello, you know, how you doing, good morning, nice to see you. But no one would ever engage her. She'd sit through the worship, the meeting, the meeting could be great, the preaching could be great, the worship could be great. You'd go to get the obligatory free cup of coffee afterwards and you'd stand there drinking alone. And then at the end of it you'd walk out and nobody would have paid any attention. And she had this experience, and this is what really got me, really wound me up this, right, because I just just can't can't believe how people can do this. She she went to a big church, it was a church of about 500. She walked in and the welcomer said to her, and it was the second second or third time she'd been or whatever, and she said, and the welcomer said, oh, hello, is this your first time here? She said, no, no, I've been here, I came here before, uh, but when I came last time, people didn't really talk to me, weren't very friendly. And and, And the welcomer said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I hope you have a, I hope it's better this time. Um, and so she went and she sat down in her seat. And of course, nobody really spoke to her. Uh, and the worship went, and the, the preaching went, and it was great. Uh, and uh, and then afterwards she went and she got a cup of coffee. And did anyone talk to her? No, right. Uh, and then as she went to leave, she she bumped into the same lady on the welcome table. She said, "Oh, how was it today? Did you ha- did you have a good time?" Uh, and my friend said, "No, not really." Um, you know, my friend's quite blunt. She said, no, nobody, nobody talked to me again. And, and the welcome lady said to her, oh, that's a shame. Shall we see you next week? My friend was like, she didn't say this, but she was like, no, not again. You know, we have a responsibility. It's so easy, isn't it? We are, you know, me and Simon are great friends. Me and Mark and Peter are brothers, yeah? Right, we would love after the meeting or whenever. It's so easy for us, isn't it, to group up and to hang out with our mates and our friends. But you know, there's a real challenge when the power of God is moving in the church. There is people in the church that are taking time to reach out to other people outside of their little cliquey social groups. And I want that to be a defining mark of our church. We're very fortunate. It's, I would say I don't think that's the experience here, mainly because we're quite small. So if you walk in, everyone says hello to you right but as we go on do we take the time to not just I'm not just talking about on a Sunday but during the week have you made the effort just to send a text message how are you doing how are things going oh maybe we should meet up sometime and actually meeting up with somebody or inviting somebody that's not necessarily part of your normal social group to be part of what you're doing don't assume that you haven't got something to offer because you have and this morning I want to really put it on us as a church that we need to take responsibility for others and not just expect those that are lonely or feeling lonely to do all of the work. Amen? Do, 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 are you with me? Are you? Are you with me? Amen. I'm going to make one final practical comment, and it's this. Think carefully about your use of social media, right? <clears throat> I'm going to make it from two points of view. First of all, you, you might like, you, you know, you could think that if you feel lonely, that somehow social media will help you. 
right? Uh, and that, you know, I'm going to put out that the trouble with social media is that people love to use social media to project the version of their life that they want you to see, right? We, I'm not a great advocate of social media, right, despite being a generation, that, being that my generation. I cannot bear it, right, and this is a bugbear of mine, and maybe I, 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 I will lay it down for the Lord. But I know what family days out are like, right? Family days out, you go out with your kids, right? And it's been a struggle, struggle to get them in the car, right? You've then argued the entire time to wherever you were going, right? You get out, right? They've run around, they've been difficult, right? We've done this activity, they've, you know, they've thrown ice cream all down themselves. You've shouted at your wife and your wife has shouted at you, right? But you take a photo, a selfie, right, next to wherever it is that you're at and it looks amazing and you're all smiling and it was the two seconds in the entire day when you weren't shouting and arguing each other and you post it up on Facebook and, and everyone goes, oh, beautiful family. You know, you must have had such a lovely day. And you're like, no, the day was really hard work, thanks. Right, but I've made it look as though our life's perfect. It just... It's not true. It's not real. Right? So you go on, and I, I've done this, and you go on, and you look at this, and you think, oh, oh, and you, or you go out, and you watch these, how many people do you go out? They go out on a night out, and they take this photo of them with all their mates. The fact that they spent most of the evening thoroughly bored, right, and not talking to anyone, but they were out with these people, out with these lovely ones. Right? For me, it's just, it, it's not real. And so if you are lonely, my advice to you is if that stuff winds you up, don't go on social media because you're just looking at what people want you to believe about their life that's not real. And the other thing that people do, right, is that if you feel lonely, what you try and do is you, you the, other, the other thing that happens is that people, I'm, I'm just having a little rant about social media, but you just, you just go with me on this, right? <clears throat> the other thing that people do is that when they're feeling low, they post something that's a what I call pity post, right? Okay, which is, I'll oh, feel sorry for me. But the trouble is that can be real dangerous, right? Because that can massively backfire. Because you post something that just says, I'm feeling really low. And like one person likes it and one person comments. You think, well, no one cares. I just think that, that social media is great. I'm not against social media. I'm just saying that social media is absolutely in no way a substitute for real relationship. It does not deal. There is something the Lord has made you and I to interact physically, right? Okay? To look at one another in the eyes, right? To share heart, to share love. And as much as social media is great at connecting, you know, if you've got like Zainas from France, right? Okay? Sorry about that, right? But if. Um, you know, but, but you know, she's got, you got family in France? Yeah, and there's something good about social media, because particularly if you're far away, it connects you with people that are far away. That, that, that's, but the danger is that people try and live their life through this platform. And it's the use of the devil to bring you down, right? And it's used of the devil to, to just upset and to just undermine what God is doing. But I want to say this, I'm not really specific, specifically talking to just those that might feel lonely this morning. I'm saying to those of us that are, you know, have families and loads of social groups, don't post stuff that's not real. Let's be honest with one another, right? Post a picture of your children screaming, no, don't. But, you know, post a picture of you having an argument, you know. But just saying, you know, we need to think carefully about this stuff and realise that, you know what I'm saying, the responsibility, I re this is the point I really want to get across. The responsibility is not just on those people that might feel lonely. The responsibility is on us who are Christians who know the Lord and are settled to, to be sensitive and caring and supporting of other people in that situation. Do you understand that? Amen? And I want us to be that kind of church. Right. My rant's over now. Right? I want to I finish by looking at this, this, and this is the key point really this morning, 
is realising that what the real answers to loneliness are. Because practical stuff is helpful, but really we need to come back to the real answer. And this is it. Right? I may not understand the depth and the challenges of your loneliness, but there's someone who does. Who's the one that does? Jesus. Jesus understands your loneliness. Can I ask you a question? What do you think Jesus' childhood was like? What do you think it was like? He was sinless. So Jesus was sinless. Never did anything wrong. He's not anything like my children, that's for sure. Right? Jesus, so just think about that. That sounds like a pleasant problem to deal with, yeah? Oh, it's sinless. Having a sinless child, isn't that amazing? No. Being, imagine what it must have been like to hang around with your friends when they were doing something naughty and you couldn't join in. You know the problem with spending time with people that are really holy? It makes you feel unholy. Ever had that experience? It makes you feel like you're inadequate. How do you think his brothers and sisters would have felt as little Jesus was perfect, literally perfect? You would have, they probably would have resented him and got more and more fed up with him. And you know, I think Jesus would have spent most of his childhood feeling isolated. He must have done. He must have felt isolated because he was so different to everybody else. He probably stuck out like a sore thumb and everybody probably said of him, oh, that's that weird kid. He never does anything right. You see, and no one could put their arm around Jesus and ever go, John, I know you feel Jesus. Because nobody ever knows. Nobody's ever known what it's like to be Jesus. No one can say, I knew exactly what you're going through, Jesus. And, and so his whole life was marked by, I think, a sense of being different. And this is, reaches its absolute height, doesn't it, on the cross. And what happens on the cross? What's, what's Jesus' worst moment in, in his life? The worst moment in Jesus' life, the point where I think he really, really struggles, is the point where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus bore that sense of being isolated, lonely, separated, bearing his sin, bearing this, your sin and my sin. You see, and it's just... Whenever we feel alone, we need to realise that Jesus understands us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet is without sin. It, said, it literally says in the Bible, Jesus understands what you're going through. And so this morning, if you feel alone, if you feel fed up, if you feel angry, if you feel disappointed, Jesus knows how. And you can go to him and you can unburden your heart and unburden your life and he will come and sit right next to you and he will put his arm around you and he can say with true authority, I know what it feels like to be in your shoes. I can't do that, but Jesus can. But this is the key. Jesus isn't just right, understanding your loneliness. He is destroying your loneliness. He is consistently removing your loneliness. Why is that? Because you are no longer alone. If Jesus come into your heart, you will never, ever, ever be alone again. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says that when you are born again, right, Jesus comes to live where? Inside of you. And that, that means that therefore no longer are we strangers, no longer are we aliens, no longer are we weirdos, separated outcasts. We are friends, sons, brothers to the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords who lives within our heart. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, yeah, I could, I'm not going to say that. But yeah, it's just... It is so significant that we realise that Jesus has come to live within us, that therefore we not need to be alone. But not just that, 
When we become a Christian, we become part of a new spiritual family, a weird spiritual family, to be honest, right? Okay, an odd bunch of people, right? But you are my brothers and my sisters, which means that we never need be alone again because God has made us one with a whole load of other people that have the same dad that we do. And you may be in a family which is dysfunctional. You may be in a situation which is dysfunctional, but you are not alone because you have brothers and sisters in Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And I just want to say to you this morning that you need to continue to believe and build your life on the promises that you are not alone because Jesus is within you and that you are with people that love you. And this morning, if you are not experiencing that, the Lord wants to bring you into a greater sense of his indwelling within you. Amen. And I, I want to finish with this point, right? God rewards the faithful. And I think sometimes this is it's just so important. I want to read this passage. I've been thinking a lot about this passage this week. It says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. I press on. I love that. Right? Let those of us that mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walking to the, walk to the example you have in us. And this is the same passage I quoted earlier. For many of whom I have often told you, and now, even, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is of heaven. And from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You may be feeling wretched this morning, and there is a challenge in you to compromise there is a challenge to give up but you know this is what I want to say those people that I've got friends right and I know some friends they, they've been single and it's been very tough for them but you know what they've done what have they done they've pressed on towards the prize of the upward call of God they've set their mind on heavenly things and those people that press on towards God and set their mind on heavenly things what do they store up for themselves heavenly reward heavenly reward you and I are not citizens of earth it says here we are citizens of heaven which means that Keegan Tim, Simon, Chris the things that we do for the Lord if we choose to suffer now we will receive a great reward in heaven if you live your life with your mind set on earthly things you will get all that you're going to get right here, right now. And you know, there are people here that feel fed up and they feel like it's been exhausting and tiring. And I want to say to you this morning, you are investing in that which cannot be destroyed. You are investing in that which will reap out for eternity. And you may think it's been really difficult sticking the course with Jesus, continuing to pressing on when everything in me wants to not trust God, run away and do my own thing. If you set your mind on being a heavenly being, you will receive a heavenly reward. We are not earthly beings, we are spiritual beings in earthly bodies do you, do you understand right and so when you're struggling and you're thinking I want to give up then don't because you are big, you are receiving reward for yourself that's so great and I think sometimes when you feel lonely you just think I just want to 
you know, take an earthly remedy. But if you do that, you're missing out on the opportunity for heavenly reward. And I want to say, be blessed this morning. Be blessed in persevering and pressing on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, because he is your prize. Because that's the answer. Jesus, and you'll never be alone, but if you do feel alone, if you feel alone, continue to go for Jesus, because you are storing up for yourself heavenly reward, where neither wrath, moth or rust can destroy. And I just think, I really want to emphasise that point this morning, to finish, because I think we so often get caught up in living in today. And you live for today, and you get your reward today, or your lack of reward today. You live for eternity, you will be immensely blessed. This morning, that's it. I want to finish with that. And I just want to pray. I want to pray for us, and I'd like us to um, stand together. And I think there are, I would like us to respond. I'm going to ask us to respond in different sections. Let's just stand, and we're going to pray together.